So Evan, uh, I know you got a you got a roll here in, in about five. We're gonna keep going past it because we got more to talk about. But I, let, let's talk for a second. Let's look ahead. Let's let's look ahead. Um, Seahawks are ninety nine percent shot to make the playoffs. There's a really good shot they're gonna be the fifth seed, and it's looking like they're either gonna play Dallas or maybe Chicago. I think those are. Am I right that those are the two likely uh, opponents? Yes, it's almost so, certain. So. Evan, and, and, and I think that either one of those, we'd be playing away, right? We'd be playing in Dallas or in Chicago. Correct. Which team is your preference, and is there either of those teams where you feel like the Seahawks um, are unlikely to win that game? I think Chicago's a much tougher game. Actually, maybe not a much tougher game, but a slightly tougher game. Um, but I think we could beat both of them. I I... I I kind of want a second shot at Chicago. I really do. I, I think this offensive line, this offense was a complete mess week two when we played them. I know Chicago's the Chicago, I think, is the tougher opponent, but I kind of want them. I, 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 I kind of want the hard road. I, I, I'd be excited about going into Chicago. I know it'd be cold. It might, it might be snowing in Chicago, you know, at this time of year. I think that'd be a fun game. You know, weather-wise, when you're talking about Russell Wilson and, you know, his play in weather, I think you obviously prefer Dallas, especially in a dome. And I don't believe Chicago's in a dome. No, no, no. So that would be – that'd be a fun game to have a snow, a snow playoff game in Chicago. So that's How about you, Jeff? Where, where, where's your head on those two potential opponents? Um, I'm going to go Dallas and – it's actually a tough question because Dallas has been one of the best teams in the NFL the last couple of weeks. They took down New Orleans. I think Lewis Riddick called them a potential Super Bowl contender in the NFC, who I, I take his word very strongly. Um, but I think it just comes down to what the, the weather difference. Playing at Jerry World in that indoor stadium fits Seattle, the speed game. Playing outdoors in Chicago, that's a tough place to play. Russell's playing the weather. I know the running game will travel anywhere. But I, I really jumped out at me just what I think Ben tweeted out this week. Chicago on like a DVOA scale is just worlds above any other defense. And while Dallas's defense does look pretty good, I think there's just a world's difference between the Chicago defense and the Dallas defense. And I know you can argue probably there's a world's difference between Dak and Trubisky, but playing indoors against a worse defense with a run game that can travel with Seattle, I think that to me stands out the best. Yeah, I think you, you're – you can be certain that that Chicago be favored by more points if they're going if the Seahawks are playing there than if um, they're playing in Dallas. I think I would guess Dallas would be favored by probably three. I bet that Chicago be favored by six or more um, if we if, if we got those two. And here's the thing: as you look at Dallas, Dallas is the more complete team. Hundred percent agree with you, Jeff. That if you're looking for the elite of the elite. Um. Uh, then, then I think that uh, Chicago's got the most elite unit on one side of the ball, right? Um, I generally believe that the best unit in football tends to be the one that wins the Super Bowl. So if you have a defense that is better than any other unit, offense or defense, then you have a good shot. I think the Seahawks 2013 defense was that. They were the best unit in football. They were better than the, the Broncos' offensive unit that year, which is probably the second-best unit. Um, and you could argue that the Bears' defense 
is in the conversation for the best single unit in the NFL this year. The Saints offense is in that conversation. The Chiefs offense is in that conversation. The Rams offense is in that conversation. Dallas doesn't have that, but they're much more well-rounded. I do not respect Chicago on offense, and I certainly don't worry about Trubisky in a pressure situation. I don't like their biggest weapon is Tariq Cohen. Um, you know, I don't think Jordan Howard's been that great. I don't think that you know uh, their other receiving uh, threats are that great. So I, I think that that gives the Seahawks a real shot in that game, especially because I believe the Seahawks could run against Chicago and have some success there. And I think that Russell, even when he didn't play a great game, you know, was showing that he was able to move the ball in that game at the end. He just made to, you know, that pick six was a horrible throw, bad choice. And it still was, you know, potentially going to be a close game there. So um, Dallas, you've got Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott and that offensive line. I don't know what's happening with Zach Martin after he went out that game. Um, that's a big potential injury for them but that's a really good quality offense and Russell Wilson's historically had a lot of trouble with Rod Marinelli's defense um so you know they did play him this year they did beat them this year so you have to feel better against them facing Dallas but I don't think it's quite as obvious of a choice as as most people might think no and the one thing with Dallas they didn't have is Amari Cooper and Amari Cooper's been uh a total game changer for them. I remember when the Seahawks played them, they couldn't get open at all. And that's why they made the trade. They had guys like Alan Hearns and Cole Beasley, and they had no separators at all. And Cooper's been a world of difference. And that's completely changed the team. They were they were a team looking like a top 10 draft pick, and all of a sudden they're now a Super Bowl contender. And guys like Jalen Smith have emerged on defense. And I don't think there's an easy choice. So I think all, I think all five of the top five teams in the NFC are really, really good. And I think three, four, five, those are all very good teams. So I don't, playing outdoors is not ideal. But, yeah, Chicago's definitely not as dimensional in terms of, like, there's high-level skill players on offense as Dallas is. I, it's just the indoor versus outdoor thing to me. That just that swung my vote. How did, how did the Rams-Bears game change your perspective on NFC playoff picture? Or did it? Um, it? It did a bit. I think if the Rams had to play outdoors in a cold weather game, they would be toast. And Jared Goff is a California kid. Gurley's from the South. They're not cold weather players. They play. He looked scared. He looked fearful. And maybe I, th I think less of the Rams than I did two weeks ago. Just the way they once a physical defense that could keep up with them. They made them look scared. They wanted to go home. It looked like, and but the difference is the Rams are going to either pull, they're going to be the two seed. It looks like so they're going to either play at home or play in New Orleans. Maybe they could still be the one seed if New Orleans falters down the stretch. So in that setting, they're very good. But I'm not as fearful of them as I was three weeks ago when they looked unstoppable. Yeah, I mean the the Saints is the other piece here, which you know they they lost to Dallas. Dallas made them look very pedestrian. Um, and how did Dallas do that? They did it by running the ball effectively and having a pretty stout defense that, that slowed them down a little bit. Um, and then the Saints went and played Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay, highly efficient passing offense. Um, and 
managed to slow them down on defense a little bit. And that was really close. Tampa Bay had every chance to win that game. So I just don't know that there's a, a Titan in, you know, uh, some giant beating team um, or a giant to be beaten, I should say, in the NFC. I think you could argue the Seahawks are ascending more than any other team other than I'd say Dallas might be the one that that's worth putting in that mix because Dallas is playing so much better than they had before. But I still, I don't believe Dak Prescott is anywhere near the quarterback that Russell Wilson is. And I think when the game's on the line, um, I like the Seahawks. One of the things we didn't talk about, about the reasons for their success this year, Seahawks turnover margin has completely come back and they mm-hmm. found ways to create turnovers. And um, I, I think, I, I think that's an issue. So, I mean, I look around the NFC. I, we talked about Dallas. We talked about the Bears. I still believe the Seahawks have a really good shot to beat the Rams in L.A. if they play them. I think the Saints is the one that I really have had question about. But, Jeff, I'm starting to, like, change my tune a little bit. I know this sounds like Homer's craziness. I don't think that the, the ceiling for the Seahawks is just getting to the NFC championship. And I'm not saying I think it's likely – I would say before the last few weeks, I, I would have said that there was infinitesimal, like 0% chance that they could get past all the teams in the NFC. As it's been playing out, you know, maybe it's a 5%, maybe it's a 3% chance. I don't think it's large, but um, I, I don't think it's zero. No, and I think kind of the way the top two teams have kind of looked a little vulnerable, it's a good call on that buck. The Saints look bad in that Bucks game. So I think just one to five, I think are all very, very good teams. And the way the Seahawks have just gone head to head with the Rams, that really kind of changed my perspective. I thought that first game was a fluke. But Seattle just had a good read on them. The offensive line played great. But when they did it in LA too, and then they by a pretty much all measure outplayed Minnesota for most of that game. The score was much closer than it needed to be. And it's amazing we've gone an hour and we haven't even mentioned that interception at the goal line. But I think, yeah, Seattle looks like they can compete with anyone. And the best thing about them is the way they play, playing on the road isn't that big of a deal for them because what travels in football is a run game and an offensive line. And when you don't have those things, as we see in the playoffs the last couple of years, that Carolina game stands out. If you don't have an offensive line and you're going on the road in football, it's really, really tough to win. But Seattle, with their quarterback and their offensive line, if they can keep this defense schemed up and getting better, that's a team that can beat anyone. And, yeah, it's probably not likely to win three road games. But they have the skill to do it, and they ha- they've they shown they can go head-to-head with anyone, the Chargers. I'm excited to see how they line up with the Chiefs, but they're not going to have to play a team like that. And, yeah, it's probably not likely, but it's definitely possible. So, um, well, one, to reiterate your point about the, the road, um, I, I think the Seahawks are one of five teams in the NFL to have a winning road and home record. Um, so, you know, and I think the other teams are all good teams like Kansas City and stuff like that. So, um, Seattle's four and one since those first two games on the road. That's a great point. Four and one on the road. They start off 0-2. Those are both road games, and, and they're 4 uh, I'm like you. I throw those games out. Uh, yeah. Uh, so play with me for a second. You know, if the Seahawks get the fifth seed and 
who who would potentially be the sixth seed? Is it is it like Dallas is going to win their it's division? Probably going to be Minnesota. Minnesota. Barring, yeah, yeah. So I mean, they could sneak in there. The only way for the Seahawks to host a game would be the NFC Championship if Minnesota wins their two games. Is that That's right? Not Her cousin stinks. <laughs> yeah. I was getting myself excited for a second that maybe Dallas would and, be in that spot, but no, they won't be. Uh, no, it's, they're going to have to go on the road three weeks in a row. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. Uh, if there's any team that could do it, this this team uh, doesn't seem to know any better than the fact that they don't they don't seem to realize that they're not supposed to be this good. And so, um, man, it has been so much fun. I, I have to. I, Halfway through that game, I admit, I was like, turned to my son. I was like, man, this is boring as hell. <laughs> this is such a bad, like, they were just, it, it was, was ugly. It was frustrating because they should have been killing them. Uh, well, I mean, the, the best part of the first part of that game was the, the Corgi races at halftime where were pretty funny. But, um, I mean, Russell made that terrible mistake at the end of the half, as you were just mentioning. And it was just, they just kept – they had the penalty that got them out of field goal range, um, you know, cost them points there. Uh, it just was – it was ugly. And um, – but yet at the end of the game, you walk away, and it's like they almost shut them out 21 nothing. Like they had to pick – you know, they strip sack Jacob Martin for – you know, it turns into a touchdown. Like Justin Coleman seems to be the guy that's going to get all the returns for touchdowns on this team over the past t- couple years. So I don't know. It's It's been um, – it's been so much fun this year, and, and it's just like this is what football, this is what sports is supposed to be, and I, I think that there's a chance that we're going to have a harder off season than everyone's realizing, and we'll deal with that when we get there. So I'm I'm really focused on enjoying what's going on this year, enjoying the ride, and just kind of marveling at how it's even possible. I mean, this is this is a uh, is hard to quantify. But it is, I think this is one of the more unlikely seasons of this type that we've seen, um, definitely in Seahawks history. And I think it's pretty rare in the NFL what we're seeing. Yeah, and I think we need to keep that perspective. Like, I think Will, if you guys follow Will on Twitter, he was he was kind of ticked off. Kind of some of the stories coming out of that last game where there's this Pete Carroll debate, a lot of that's come from Evan. I know – there's, there's just been a huge conversation. It gets to the point sometimes where it's like all of a sudden you're not enjoying it anymore. And you're, you're arguing nonsense. You're going in circles. And maybe this is just us being too deep in the Twitter world. But, yeah, we really need to take a step back and maybe not worry about who deserves credit or if Pete Carroll's doing the perfect job. Just This team's in five, and they're going to – all of a sudden everyone's talking about them as a potential sleeper in the playoffs. Like, we need to appreciate that because in three games, the season's going to be the regular season's over. We're going to have to worry about a lot of stuff in the off season, as you mentioned. And who knows what comes next? Who knows? But, so I think we, you're right. I think we need to do just take a step back and. Well, God, if, yeah. If any of you are Mariners fans, I mean, come on. I mean, just juxtapose this. Mariners have not competed for 20 years, basically. I mean, they have not made the playoffs in. I think it's been 18 years or 17 years, whatever it is. And the Seahawks are going to have made the playoffs in all but two seasons with Pete Carroll, you know, assuming this plays out the way it's looking to happen. And he's finding a way to compete even as they're re- reloading. So I think that's that's huge. And we didn't get a chance 
Let's talk about this with Evan, but the, the debate is that it's kind of underlying the Pete Carroll thing with him. As Evan's been kind of saying, he doesn't think that we should pay Russell Wilson $35 million and then pay Pete to, to coach him um, and have him throw the ball 17 times a game. I, I just feel like, one, the question I'm really curious about is, who decided he's making $35 million a year, 18% of the cap? He's making 13% of the cap this year. Drew Brees is making 13% of the cap this year. I think Aaron Rodgers, like, I think if you look at the cap numbers, a lot of these guys, they're 13, 14, 15% at most. But just because someone tweeted out that the rumor is Russell Wilson's expecting to make 35 million a year, I'm not sure that that's what he's going to ask for. I think that's, I think that's a, a false premise to even start with. And I do think it's fair. I've been, I, I think Russell Wilson should get paid. He should get, he's earned it. He's, he's a franchise quarterback, but I absolutely think it's a fair conversation for like, he doesn't have to take a Tom Brady deal, but, but does he have to take a 18% of the cap deal that, that really hampers a team's ability to compete? Like I think Russell, if he's going to live up to his brand, you know, and he really is about winning, I, I do think he would consider, you know, capping himself out at 13% or doing a type of deal where his salary was pegged to the cap percentage of cap, which hasn't been done before and would go up. And so he was always guaranteed to be paid at a certain rate relative to the cap. So I don't know. I, I think it's a, I don't think it's a question we even need to grapple with right now. Yeah. And I think it's just so obvious that you got Pete Carroll, all time defensive coach. You got Russell Wilson, who's, looking like a Hall of Fame level quarterback. Why are we talking about breaking them up? I just I don't I think it's I think it's super foolish. That's what I'm kind of saying. We're having there's all these hypotheticals and people are worrying about things that don't even exist. Like you're saying with the, the contract number and I was talking about the list of head coaches that could do the same job Pete is something that you can no never even argue. Um I just think we need to take a step back and kind of even just seeing Russell tweet at Josh today. I, I just think that's the, Think of just like how much fun is Russell having this year? Having a bunch of guys who look at him as the team leader and having an offensive line that he loves and is helping him and having a bunch of teammates that aren't taking swipes at him and aren't questioning whether he's getting too much credit or not being criticized. We're we're missing the point here and we're focused too much. Even Evan's argument, which I thought he was gonna come out with so much fire. He backed off. It was kind of a nothing point. He didn't really make a point. <laughs> I was kind of disappointed. I was kind of ready to go for him. I kind of spent 24 hours preparing myself. He kind of backed off. Yeah. I think Nathan would have been great. If Nathan's listening, I think we need to hear from you. But I think we're wasting time on nonsense, and I think we need to just take a step back. and, like, Just for example, you used to hear about a coach in Philadelphia who couldn't manage the clock and lost in big games and lost his identity and – couldn't use timeouts properly, and we need an offensive innovator, and Andy Reid got replaced with Chip Kelly. And what happened? The whole thing crumbled. It, it just reminds me of – I'm not the biggest Pete Carroll guy. I think he has his flaws, just like Russell Wilson has his flaws, and Pete's not perfect. Pete's not the greatest coach in the world, but spending time in a year where they're over – and if you don't like Pete as a coach, I understand. That's fine. It's a whole different – but I think spending time on this right now is nonsensical. I just don't understand it. Well, and you don't have to look any further than the the wake of fired coaches um, behind Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. I mean, you've got uh, 
uh, Ron Rivera firing coaches, right? You've got um, uh, Mike Zimmer firing his offensive coordinator, John DiFilippo. Um, you know, who else? Isn't there someone else that got fired? Yeah, the Detroit special teams coach after the Dixon thing. <laughs> I heard this on Softy show yesterday. They said Seattle plays such a brand of football. It brings out the weakness. It brings out a weak side of the opponent. You see the worst of the opponent. You saw Carolina, what happened with Cam. And there's been coach fine. Green Bay, Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy, that was the other one. Yep. Yeah, so there's been, like, the last four opponents have been, like, fired after those games. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I do want to kind of wrap up with uh, – we did not mention Michael Dixon, and it's it's a semi-tongue-in-cheek when we bring him up a lot because, we. I mean, I've, I've been a huge fan since the moment they, they announced the draft pick. But – he has been a silent, massive part of this team's change this year. This team was like bottom third in the NFL in net punting average for the last few years. They're number one in the NFL this year. He actually did not have a great game against Minnesota by his standards. Mm-hmm. But I, I saw somewhere, if you do the math, it's at least a 300-yard difference um, You know, in terms of a field position that he's been responsible for just by himself. And a lot of these things aren't coverage plays. He's kicking the ball out of bounds. He's just kicking it high enough that it, it it's easy for the guys to cover it. He has been a huge, huge asset for this team, um, especially for a young, you know, defense that is not, not all the way there. It's given a lot of teams, a long field to work with um, to, to have to, uh, to score. So, um, I think I think he was another. You can give a credit to John Schneider for being courageous enough to make that pick when Denver's laughing at him for doing it. But I, I think the Seahawks. I said it then. I'll say it again. I think that they got a Hall of Fame punter, Hall of Fame player in that pick. So any draft you walk away with a Hall of Fame player, it's a fantastic draft. And that's just one piece of that draft. I think you can look up and down that draft, and there's some interesting players. I think Jacob Martin could end up being one of the better players of that draft. For him to show the pass rush talent he's shown as a rookie, those guys, he's going to put on muscle and weight and, and work with coaches in the offseason and develop more moves. I think he has a chance to be a really good pass rusher. Um, he doesn't get a lot of conversation, but I think he's, I think he's coming on strong. And You know, you can keep going on. You talk about Trey Flowers. You talk about um, Jordan Simmons. We haven't even talked about the guy that isn't playing this year, and he's on the injured list. You know, is uh, uh, I'm losing his name. He's the offensive tackle from um, is it Ohio Jamarco State? Jones. Yeah, Jamarco Jones. Yeah, that guy was looking like a great tackle, and I'll tell you, I'm not convinced that Fetty's going to be the the long term answer. Still, I mean, I know he's playing better this year. I, you know, it's fine. I personally, if I if I had the choice, I still would consider playing George Fant um, at right tackle over or, over Jermaine Fetty, and I'd definitely be interested to to have Jamarco Jones compete for that position next year. So, I don't know. I, I think there's there's a lot to be excited about, and uh, uh, it's gonna be an interesting game this weekend. We should talk about it for one minute if you can. Yeah, um, I got time. And the 49ers beat them 43-16. 49ers went in. George Kittle went off. Any reason in your mind that the Seahawks fans should, you know, should be worried about this game? I'm a little worried of just not having Doug Baldwin in. And I was talking about the intermediate game earlier in the show. And I saw Brady Henderson tweeted out a graphic. I think you responded to it. 
of just Russell's passing numbers with and without Doug. And even though he hasn't been healthy all year, he's definitely not been the same player. The way he helps kind of dictate coverage really changes how Seattle operates as a passing unit. And when they can key on Lockett and not worry about the intermediate parts of the field, and David Moore's kind of got one good route right now, that would worry me in a sense. But but again, if you still have the, the run game, and the Seahawks are just so much better than the 49ers. So they should win rather comfortably. But I, if I had to identify one thing, I'm still a little worried of how they are without Doug. Yeah, I mean... I'm I'm most eager to see how they look on defense. Yeah, can they can they cap recapture any of that? Because it'll be a great test. They they just faced this team. Nick Mullins threw for over 400 yards. Dante Pettis went off on this team. Uh, are we going to see the same defense go on the road and actually play better against this offense, or? I think there's some signs that Kyle Shanahan's starting to to get through to click with Nick Mullins to find some plays that are working. Um, I saw some numbers with Nick Mullins compared to Baker Mayfield's numbers that are pretty interesting. Like they're not that far off. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm eager to see if, if it, it would be a really encouraging sign. People are going to, let's say the Seahawks win as they're expected to. Most people won't think twice about it. But if the Seahawks defense plays significantly better, let's say they allow 300 yards instead of like the 480 or whatever they allowed the last time, that would be a really interesting development. Um, and we're kind of playing with house money. If they lose this game, you know, are they really going to lose both uh, both games at home to end the season? Uh, you know, I don't I don't think so. So um, I, th- I I expect them to win this game. I think it. It uh, defense is the place where I, my, my eyes are going to be. So, um, with that, Jeff, uh, any prediction around the game before we let 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 uh, folks go? Um, I still think the Seahawks win by double digits. I think I think Chris Carson goes for over a hundred and touchdown, and I think Frank Clark and Richard Sherman do not fight each other. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably true. Uh, all right, dude. Um, thanks for that. And for folks that haven't already, please uh, sign up at patreon.com, P A T R E O N.com slash hawkblogger. Get a bunch of insider stuff. Who knows? Maybe we'll even figure out something with, uh, with Josh slash Cable Thanos um, for insiders. We'll figure that out. And uh, otherwise, make sure you check out the video. It's on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash hawkblogger to check it out. Um, as he posts more, we're going to post them here. So keep, keep an eye out, subscribe to the channel. If you haven't already, you'll get notified as soon as one gets posted and, uh, guys enjoy. This is fantastic time to be a Seahawks fan. Enjoy each other. Be good to each other. And, uh, uh, let's enjoy the game on Sunday. Go Hawks.